every Sunday. Hopefully this is the last Sunday. We welcome people back. So welcome back. See the well-rested faces. Uh, it is great to be back. Any visitors here? I was not here when we welcomed the visitors. What, visitors? Any visitors? Also from my side, welcome. Uh, my name is Dani, not Barney. Uh, I know when I pronounce it over the phone, when I speak to people, they always reply, Barney. I'm now Dani. And after six times, I just let it go. I'll be Barney for now. So you are so welcome. Thank you for visiting us. And we trust that you will experience family. Uh, I just want to bless you this morning. I really want to bless each one of you. May this be a good year. May this be a year where you experience our Father's love just afresh and new. Um, may you run this year and not grow weary. And may you walk this year and not feel at any stage that you reach the place of, of I cannot go anymore. And so, to the youth that is out there, the kids that are out there, we also bless them with just the normal school year. It was so, just in our house, such a highlight Friday, there was athletics. Now, it sounds like something stupid, but it was a highlight. Um, it's a highlight that uh, a grade 12 learner for the first time in three years can have athletics again, and a grade 10 learner experienced it for the first time in high school. Amazing. Grade 10, and then you experience athletics. Now, the first day, who, who moved the parents here? It was your first day at school this year, very first day. Did you make it? The kids did. It's normally the mothers that struggle. Uh, I remember driving in here, our very first school year, which, as you heard, 11 years ago, and uh, we were still looking for a parking, and Himna, out of the blue, just shouted from the back, just drop me here, just drop me here, and door opened, and there she went. Um, and so, obviously, I think the mother struggled that with that very first day the most, but what I can testify of today is the fathers struggle with that very first day of the last year the most. It has been an emotional roller coaster for this father. You see that daughter walking out of, um, out of the home on Wednesday and knowing that this is the last year. Um, so I looked at a picture of grade one, and I looked at the picture we took on Wednesday, and it was tears. And so dads, those that have been there, have gone through that, please help me. Those that have not been there yet, come speak to me. I don't know if it's the same for your sons leaving, but daughters definitely. So we had an amazing holiday. Uh, we went to the Drakensberg. It was wet. It was cold. Um, but we rested. I read a lot. Uh, I went trail running and obviously prayed a lot for a word just for us as a congregation this year. And I'm going to share that just in a moment. But I also realized um, just before we went on leave that I, I was tired, but not the sort of tired that you feel after not sleeping a few nights with a little one at home. Not that, that type of tired when there's a deadline at work um, and there's a few late evenings. This was a deep, I was going to say emotional, spiritual tired. And I remember having a conversation with a friend uh, in the same time, and he testified of the same thing. Can anybody just, you recognize that? That tiredness where it takes you a week just to, to recover, to be able to go on holiday? Yes? And so as I prayed, I believe the word the Lord has given for this church will answer this, but it's not focused on this. And so as I prayed, I just sent the following. God said, tell my people to wait on me. And so I'm going to preach about that this morning. And the second thing 
um, that I just sensed is he said, and remind my people of my faithfulness. And so this year, we will constantly remind one another of his faithfulness. COVID has been two years. And if we look back, we can all testify that he's been faithful. Amen? So, remind my people of my faithfulness and tell them to wait on me. It's funny, we just sang the song, um, but it's also the same thing the Lord told Isaiah. When the people, Israel, went into exile, God sent Isaiah to his people with this message. He said, go and comfort my people in Isaiah 40. And then we're going to read this morning. You can open your Bibles with me, Isaiah 40. We're going to read from verse 28. And then in this message of how to comfort his people, God says, and tell my people to wait on me. Tell my people to wait on me. So let me just give you some context before we read the scripture. So obviously I just shared early days of exile. Now exile was not an easy period in people's lives. Different cultures, different religion, different customs. Uh, Think of the story of Daniel. Go and read the book of Daniel. Finds himself in exile. Uh, And so as a youth, we say he was still a teenager when he was taken into exile. And so the very first thing he got to face was he had to eat, was told to eat food that was against his religion. And so we see how this young man, still a teenager, had to stand up. King calls all his wise men together, Daniel being one of them, and said to them, you need to now tell me I had a dream. What does this dream mean? And so it was a difficult time for the people. They had to fend for themselves. Uh, you can think that suddenly strange food. If you go to a country and you really want to experience a country, um, go to China or any of those countries, um, don't just eat the McDonald's in the Kentucky, if it is Kentucky, um, but try and experience the culture. And suddenly you will realize it wasn't easy. And so God sends this prophet Isaiah and he says, go and comfort my people. And so we're going to pick up verse 28. You can read with me. Verse 28, he says the following. Have you not known, have you not heard, the Lord is the everlasting God. There is no end and there is no beginning. The creator of the ends of the earth, he does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. It's funny how we sometimes pray uh, in a manner that we think we need to tell God how things should be. You know, we counsel God. And yet, when he speaks through his eyes, he says the following, he does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He knows everything. He gives power to the faint and to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youth shall faint and be weary and young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not be faint. Father, I pray that as we just spend time together in your word now, that you will quiet our spirits. And Holy Spirit, I pray that you will minister to us this morning, to each one of us. May we understand this message. This message not just for this year, Father, but for our lives, to wait on you. I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. What an amazing promise. It's a familiar piece. Everybody, most of us have heard it. 
You will run and not grow weary. You will rise up wings of an eagle. So this holiday, we had the privilege of going to a bird sanctuary where they take in birds of prey and they help them, restore them, put them back into nature. Close to the Drakensberg Boys Choir. Let me do some advertisement for them. You've been there, not go. So we had the privilege of seeing a fish eagle fly out and then you see how we, the guy that flies these birds tell us that they can see the pockets of hot air and I believe him. Um, and so you see how this eagle strikes that pocket and then just suddenly without effort, it just rises and rises and rises effortlessly. It's amazing to see. And so this promise, amazingly, that God says to us, you will rise like that eagle effortlessly. Effortless, you will not reach that point. I will renew your strength, but not only will I renew your strength, you will rise up effortless. And you will run and not reach that point where you are so tired that you have to take rest just to get to rest, to get to holiday. And I don't know why it is. I don't know why it is that we always get there. I remember um, you know, in the corporate world, come October, we literally said at our executive meetings, just remember, it's that time of the year. Just relax. Just relax. Don't overreact. And it's become part of the norm. And yet here, when God sends the message of comfort to his people, he says, I will renew your strength. And not only that, you will never reach that point of weary or grow faint. But in this amazing promise, there's a big but. And the but is the B-U-T but. Did you see the but? What is the but? But those who, let's try that again. But those who wait on the Lord, their strength will be renewed. They shall rise up like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. But those who wait on the Lord. And so that wait, uh, in some of the English translations, it's written as hope. So in Hebrew, it translates back to the word hope. In Afrikaans, it's wach. Wach op die Heere. Hoop. Plaas jou hoop op die Heere. Those who wait. Those who hope. And so if you go and look at just what does the word hope mean, I've got it up there on the screen for you. It says the following. Hope is a feeling of expectation. And a desire for a particular thing to happen. So waiting on the Lord, placing your hope in the Lord is, I'm transferring my desire, this expectation, away from self unto the Lord. I'm saying, in you, I now place my hope for whatever it is, that it shall happen. But wait, but wait on the Lord. And I think herein lies the answer to why is it that we reach that point where we are so deeply tired. Remember I said it's not because the baby didn't sleep well or uh, kids are getting their tooth. It's not that tired. It is a deep tired. And I want to illustrate it to you this morning. I think it's because we spend too much time in the weight room. I think we get to that point because we spend too much time in the weight room. I wanted to be up here, but I can't. I'm scared my pants won't last if I try and get up here. Yaku, we reach that point because you spend too much time in the weight 
room. You spend too much time dark in the weight room. You see, if you look at the weight room, it's all about self. It starts with a mirror. I don't know who of you have been in a weight room before, in a gym. You know, you get those extroverts, they stand in front of that mirror, and they're pumping the iron. It's all about self. That is the weight room. It's all about self. The effort you put in is what you get out. And so the harder you work, the greater the result. Even the introverts. I don't know if you've seen an introvert in a gym. They will sit, try not make contact with the mirror, but they will pick up their water bottle. There's a tip for you. I'm an introvert. See, the weight room, it's all about your effort. And so every morning, up early, take those raw eggs, and we go in, and we pump, and we pump, because we want to see the result. And the weight room concept is, I need to make it happen. It depends on me. You see, my business... And the future of my business depends on me. The effort I put in is the effort that I'll get back. That broken relationship, maybe between a father and a son, a brother and a sister, a brother and a brother, the restoration of this relationship depends on the effort that I put in. I need to make this happen. And we see an example of this in the Bible in the story of Abram. God comes to Abram and says to Abram, Abram, you will be the father of many nations. From you, many nations will come. And guess what? Abram goes to the weight room. And he needs to make this happen. And so through him making this happen, Ishmael is born. Not what God had intended for him. And so we see the result of man's effort. Of Abram taking something in his own hands and saying, God, I hear, and I'm going to make it happen. Seventy-five years he waits on the Lord. And Isaac is born. Seventy-five years. Now we quickly doubt God, because after six months of things not happening, Maybe two years, maybe five years, maybe ten years. Abram waited 75 years after first walking into the weight room, repenting and going back to a place and understanding that he needs to place his hope in God. We read he reached that age where physically, it says, he was as good as dead. There was nothing that he could do anymore. And then God blessed him with a son. And that's why he's called the father of faith, hope in the Lord. Not hope in himself. We spend too much time in the weight room. And so this scripture speaks about another weight room. It doesn't speak about that weight room. It speaks about the weight room where you go and sit. And so it does not reflect onto actions, passivity. All right, so let me try and explain that again. Abram did not just look at his wife and she fell pregnant. It is not us being passive, all right? hope you got that picture. The weight room, what God is speaking about here, is the weight room where a David is anointed at the age of eight to be king. 
and only takes up that position at the age of 30. But in between, we see how David had the opportunity when he stood in front of a sleeping Saul to take his life and in that moment become king. He did not go into the weight room. But he waited on God and he honored the anointed one of the living God. Daniel, when facing the king with this message of, if you cannot tell me what my dream means, I'm going to kill you and all the other people here. We see a Daniel not running around and, you know, we need to make things happen and we need to find out what is this. No, he goes to his friends. Go and read it in the book of Daniel. And then he goes into his room and he waits on God. And God makes it happen. The image of it depends on me. I need to make it happen versus my hope is on the living God. Trusting that he has the ability to do what he says he will do and more than that, that he will do more than I can desire or expect. So here's the question. Why is it then that we constantly find ourselves, remember I started by saying I was so tired. Why is it that we constantly find ourselves in the weight room? When this promise given to Israel about comfort, about strength, speaks about this weight room. Why is it? Why is it that I run there and I look at the church and then we close and we're not closed and then the connect groups, I don't know if they're happening and they're happening. And I take that on me. It needs to happen. Why is it? And so I want to propose the following to you. Our ability to wait on God reflects our understanding of whom it is that we're waiting on. Our ability to wait on God reflects our understanding of this God whom we're waiting for or on. I hope you at the back can see quickly. I'm going to sit on a chair if you can't see the chair. So I'm in the waiting room. Imagine this quickly. There's a door. I was diagnosed with an illness that cannot be cured. And the only answer for my illness is this doctor on the other side of this door. How long will you sit and wait? Church, I'm asking. How long will you wait? You see, because you've placed a value on that doctor, you will wait forever and ever. And so when God gives this word to Isaiah, we need to understand who's on the other side of the door. And so we rush through the scripture quickly to get to the promise. And we even recognize the but. But we forget to read through the first 22 verses from verse 9, where Isaiah starts speaking. Go to verse 9 quickly. Verse 9 says the following, Go on to a high mountain, O Zion, herald of good news. Lift up your voice with strength. O Jerusalem, herald of good news, lift it up. Fear not. Say to the cities of Judah, Behold your God. Let me pause there quickly. If I had to call you forward, 
And I had to say, behold, your God. Please explain who we're talking about. What will you say? How will you introduce your God to somebody? So Isaiah carries on and he says the following. Verse 10. I'm just going to highlight a few of them. But verse 11, he says, he, this God, behold this God, he will tend to his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. Behold, your God is like a shepherd. A shepherd cares for his flock. Even the little lambs he will pick up. Carries on in verse 12. This God who has measured, listen to this, the water in the hollow of his hand. All the water on the earth he has measured in the hollow of his hand. He's holding it there. And marked off the heavens with a span. Enclosed the dust of the earth in a measure and weighs the mountains in scales. I don't know if you've ever been to the Drakensberg, which is not the highest mountains, but in South Africa, that's the mountain. He has weighed them in scales. Whom are you waiting on? Do you understand in in whose waiting room you are called into this morning? Verse 15, it says the following, Behold, the nations are like a drop from a bucket and are accounted as dust on scales. Behold, he takes up the coastlands like fine dust. Verse 22, he stretches out the heavens like a curtain. It will take you 46 billion light years to travel from one end of the heavens to the next. And he spreads it open like a curtain. Who brings princes to nothing and makes the rulers of this earth as emptiness. But wait. But wait on this God. But wait on your God. And this is a mere man trying to, in human language, describe to Israel that finds himself in a difficult time. Business is not going as it should. Relationships is not at the place where it should be. And he says, behold, your God, wait on him. And he will give you strength. He will give you strength. See, I think, and I believe, that our ability or our lack of waiting reflects our understanding of whom it is that we're waiting on. Whom it is that is inviting us in to his presence. And so how does this look practically? I want to just give you a few things. If we look at waiting, what does it look practically? The first thing, so you're saying to me, Donnie, so what should we do, Barney? What should we do? What should we do? Abide in his word. Abide in his word. Get into your word. Get to know the God that you are waiting on. See the promises that he gives. Understand whom he is. And then walk in his ways. I can tell you quickly when I reach that point of tiredness, the first thing I can tell you, it's lacking my time in the Word. 
because there's just so many things that need to happen. You see, it all depends on me to make it happen. Abide in your word. Do you know the God that you are serving? This he has given to us to know not only his ways, but to know him, to be able to follow him. Abide in your word. When you step into business, uh, mothers, I read an incredible book, Charlie here, Mark, incredible book this, this holiday, Charlie Lubbock Duffin, I spoke about it, about motherhood. And we all go through those times as parents where we don't actually know what to do next. Spend time in your word. Study the word. God gives us instruction. Abide in your word. Abide, second thing, in prayer. Philippians 4, 6 says the following. Do not get anxious about. Well, then let's go again. Do not get anxious about. Yeah, but we're not writing the fees we should be writing. Can we get anxious about that? You know, my daughter, teenager, mom, daughter, there's an issue. Do not get anxious about anything. That is why we need to read the Word. We need to abide, because we will not know this if we don't read it. But by prayer, petition, and thanksgiving, make your requests, your desires known to God. And the peace that transcends all understanding, you cannot explain it, will guard your heart. So yes, I will go out and I will go and look for clients, new clients. I will interact with my old clients. But I will not take the anxiousness, the fear into my heart that I leave in the weight room. God, you know where we are at. You know this, this issue between me and my daughter. This issue between me and my brother. This issue with my father. God, you know that we need these fees to make it happen. God, you know that as a family we are short every month financially. So yes, I will go out. It's not about being passive. But I will leave my hope with you. And in you, I will trust, not self. I will not take that weight upon my shoulders. Abide in his word. Abide in prayer. And the last one is abide in the counseling and the guidance of the Holy Spirit. And I want to read you this scripture quickly. It's an amazing scripture. It's in Acts 16, verses 6. It says the following. And this is about Paul. And they went through the region of Pragia and Galatia, having been forbidden, listen to this, so this is Paul and his group of people. They are called to go and make disciples. Why? Why? Just them. You know Paul, hey? They are called to go and make disciples. That was just a joke. We are all called to make disciples. And so you would think that going out and making disciples is what they should do daily. But here we see how the Holy Spirit, listen to this. And the Holy Spirit having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And when they had come up to Masia, they attempted to go into Bithynia. Listen again. But the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. See, abide in His word. Abide in prayer. Keep on walking in the counsel of the Holy Spirit. And 
throughout the day as you go, make sure that you don't transfer seats, but you are constantly aware of what the Spirit is telling you about conversations, meetings, phone calls. Because in our intention to do good, we can also be sinners. So look at the Levite priest that stretched out his hand to catch the ark of God. They were busy carrying in the Old Testament. One of them stumbled and was falling, and the ark was about to fall. The ark of the living God was about to fall on the ground, and he reaches out to stop it. Intentions is good. He drops dead at that point. No man is allowed to touch the ark. Some conversations is not right for you to have now. Fred, I want to ask you, where are you? It's become that song that we sang about waiting on the Lord. I want to end off with a scripture. It says the following. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. And they shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not be faint. But they who wait on the Lord shall not grow weary. They won't faint. And so I pray, church, that this is true of us as a church. That we will be a people that wait on God. Not just this year, but it's part and partial of who we are. May we find comfort in knowing. May we find comfort in knowing who it is that is speaking to each one of us this morning. He is the great I am. He is the one that holds everything together in His hand. But He's also the living Father that is picking you up that is holding you close, that wants to pour out His love just into your life, that really cares about your life. Will you wait on Him? Will you wait on Him?